Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Speaking of that website, on that website, there are podcasts that you can listen to that contain content that may not be appropriate for children and or those that do not like such content. That's the trigger warning. Uh, we're going to be talking about horror content and horror related things that could involve sensitive subjects such as, you know, child abuse, murder, rape. There will be F-bombs. We've actually had quite a few F-bombs already. Hi, Patreon mm. listeners. You got to listen to the preamble. So mm. if that's not your cup of tea, go listen to something boring. But if not, welcome to the show. Welcome. Coming up in the near future, we will be uh, interviewing an author by the name of Paula D. Ash. But today we have the company of Harry Horror. Owner and, uh, well, proprietor proprietor and guy that the thing is named after of the Harry Horror Show, which you can check out on Twitch. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the oh, show. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. And that, yeah, that's our owner, operator, truck driver. If driving a truck was a Twitch show, that's how mm. I like to phrase it to people who don't understand. I'm sure there are. That helps clear up a lot of the confusion I found with a lot, especially with the older folks. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like driving a vehicle. No, not at all. But... <laughs> I want to get out of this conversation. So sure. Beep, beep. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's like driving a car. We'll we'll, we'll go with that. Exactly. Well, thank you for having me, fellas. You got to explain what Twitch is. God. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? We probably have to do it now, don't we? I don't know if everyone on the podcast would know what Twitch is. Not to be mean or derogatory. Just I've run across people my age who are like, "Mm, well, you should probably get that checked out if you're twitching. Um, (laughs) It's live YouTube. Yeah, it's live YouTube. It's it's live YouTube used to have a focus on gaming, but it's kind of uh, since expanded of late to accommodate Uh um, chatting content, podcast content, talking content, uh, among many other things. So I found it to be a really interesting look at um, almost almost like uh, cable access TV or whatever it was. Hmm. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. True. So as is uh, much everything with advancement in technology. Thank you, Twitch Thoughts, for expanding the platform. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're doing what they can. They're one doing the Lord's on work. the edge stream at a time. Yeah. The internet is for porn. Someone has to walk the edge of the seat so that mm-hmm. all of us can say that we sat on the edge of ours. Yes. It's <laughs> your profound wisdom for the day. Yes. I like it. Thank you. Have a good day. Exactly. <laughs> That's a podcast. See you. Yes. <laughs> good talking to you. Um, well, I guess while we're at it, uh, before we get into the rest of the stuff, why don't you tell uh, listeners a little bit about what you do? Sure, and it, particularly your podcast or podcast, your Twitch show. Yeah, so so we say it's we say it's like a cable access TV show. Um, what I do on my show, the Harry Horror Show on Twitch, um, is I tell true crime stories, discuss grim history occur- occurrences, and paranormal stuff, paranormal events, things to that effect, of a phenomena. And it's very much like a podcast, and then it's all very narrative. I'm telling the story from beginning to end. But it's neat because rather than have to just listen, you also can see picture. There's also video of events as they occur. So I found it to be a pretty interesting um, supplemental medium where you're able to see the presenter, almost like it was a, a YouTube video of the podcast uploaded, and also see mm-hmm. you know, pictures that go along with it, and chat live, which is fantastic. So mm-hmm. I tell a lot of you know, true crime serial killer stories. I've, I've done uh, you know, stories about terrorist attacks. In this December, I'm talking about the, uh, some anth- the, the 2001 anthrax attacks that occurred, that I think, in all of our childhoods. And it's just been great because I've gotten to learn quite a bit about stuff that I think dominates the news cycle, especially when we were younger or in history books. And then again, to find out what actually happened has just been 
huge. I mean, it's my show, so of course I'm going to talk it up, but I've actually really enjoyed getting to dive into a lot of it myself as well. Real life horror is certainly uh, uh, nothing compared to movies, but movies could probably take a lot from, uh, from real life horror as well. And often do. Often mm-hmm. do. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of movies, basically the, the way that we do this is we break up the show into three or four segments. We talk about your childhood, adolescence, and, teen, um, and adult years, sure. and then some wrap-up questions at the end. Basically focusing on what your experiences with horror in media have been uh, and a couple other things and then try to figure out what it is about horror that you as an individual love and the uh, eventual end goal is after after talking to a number of people maybe starting to see if we start seeing some uh, common themes in the things that draw people to horror perfect so for you starting with childhood what were some of your er earliest memories of scary things yeah i mean for me always been scared of the dark I mean, I, I I had a pretty um, not rough, but just like eh, childhood where it's you know, mm-hmm. divorced parents, very very strict step parents, so a lot of being grounded, a lot of just you know having to work off or leaving you know a pen in my pants and ruining a pair of dress pants or just just dumb horse shit like that that kind of comes. I think a lot a lot of maybe uh, step kids know what I'm talking about, but really when it came to horror always been scared of the dark and i think too i mean if we're if we're really already getting into psychoanalyzing growing up with such that kind of that kind of childhood in all seriousness can lead someone to feel like they're very out of control uh, like mm-hmm. they don't uh, they don't have autonomy over many of the things in their own life you know every tuesday and wednesday you're being shuttled over to one of the other parents' house and then you know it, when you're over there someone's been in your room and gone through all your shit and then you never you, you can't really tell but you know something's off i think a lot of it kind of lends itself to a fascination or maybe a, a preoccupation with things that are out of control mm-hmm. things that are things that rob us of our autonomy and that kind of adds a, a scary piece because the dark itself is something that I think makes us scared, not only because of what we can't see, but it also limits our options. Being in the dark gives us an inability to control our surroundings um, because we lack that foundational piece of like, I know what's going on. And so mm-hmm. I can act accordingly. When you don't, that's terrifying. Yeah. So, you know, no, you're absolutely right. too never, far uh, into the weeds, but that's nah, what sticks nah. out to me. That's exactly what the show is about. And you're right. I never really thought about that aspect of it. I'm a child of uh, divorced parents as well. I think they divorced when I was like four or five. So, Luckily, I was young enough that I didn't have to, like, really mentally deal with it. But it does kind of uh, put you by default in that scenario of of just uh, things being out of place, things being not the norm and things being out of your control even more so. Yeah. You don't really realize it until, like, especially if you mix in, like, what I did, like, the childhood growing up in the Catholic Church. So you Mm -hmm. mix in, like the guilt compound as well oh yeah so you're never able to get quite attack on anything you really want to have attack on things but then on top of that like when you don't you're just racked with guilt all the time because you're a sinner yep it's a fun combination even when (laughs) even when you move past organized religion and such you still Mm -hmm. can't shake this feeling that like you're just out of control and it's you're you're a bad person for being out of control you know Mm. it's interesting interesting dynamic yeah, I can definitely relate to that too. Also, child of divorced family and had fun with step parents. Um, although I will say that the thing about having your room ransacked and not having control over that, I, I I know there are people who 
came from uh you know homes that did not have a divorce yeah had a parent that was like a drill sergeant type of thing you know there's no exclusive lock we don't have we the the, the divorced children of america the dca does not have a lock on (laughs) on ransacked rooms yeah uh yeah there are some you know i dated a girl once who told me that after doing something i don't even remember what it was but they took her bedroom door off the hinges jesus Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's classic Dude, the house I just moved into a 200, like 120 year old house. There was, there were locks from the outside on all the upstairs rooms when we, when we bought the place. Oh, that's which good. Is, that's which that's is kind of cool. It's a um, neat vibe. If there's a carpet, yeah. rip it up. Make sure there's not like a weird pentagram on the floor or something like that. You know, just, just, just say, right. just well, say between, between don't, that don't get and any the blood on the carpet either. Between yeah. that and the, and the old termite damage that was hidden. It's a house of horror one yeah. way or the other. Mm. Get that gnawing feeling. Is it, is it is it Harry's house of horror? It, it is. It is. It's the house that <laughs> it it's a house that Harry not built but bought, regrettably. <laughs> so house may or may not have been, been built out of actual human being corpses. Yep, patent pending, or on a ancient ancient uh, burial ground. Exactly. You know, that's we. I just I just did a segment on that. Um, yeah. and it's fascinating how much that particular trope of the built on a burial mount thing. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was like a real thing. It's largely made up. Like, Seriously, it's never it's, been it's, done. It's, it's like mostly maybe a couple Hollywood. Times at most. No, it's it's they've been built on. I mean, that's that's definitely like the American experience. Just pave over, you know, the entire new world. But mm, the yeah. the a lot of Native American tribes with the um, with how they per- perceive the afterlife wouldn't like. There's like they they aren't disturbed or like disturbing. It's a huge sacrilege, but it's not in the I'm going to come back and haunt you sort of sense. Mm. That's a very like European thing. Because okay. European world, you bear, you're buried and you rise up to face Jerusalem at the end of times, and so desecrating a grave, blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's some there's some some similarities in the Native American world. Not all tribes are the same. Everything is completely different. But we largely invented that up with our okay. own European Eurocentric concepts yeah. of uh, of that. We so kind of gave I, it a Eurocentric flavor, whereas really it's just it's a burial mound. They have a belief as far as where the soul goes after life, but as far as the corporeal form, it's it's into the earth and it's not so much a um, vengeance offense. It's more like a uh, upset guy at a soccer game meme offense. Like really? Yeah. It's, it's still egregious. I mean, the, the pilgrims, yeah. you know, robbed, robbed mm-hmm. graves yeah, more than first that. landed. Yeah, was, but yeah. it's, it's not in the sense of like, you know, we're not going to be ghost of Christmas pasting you, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, but that's way off track. Sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. We personally may not, but the rest of the world will. Yeah. yeah. An imbalance, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about any particular horror media that stood out to you as a child? So, if, from the people that brought you uh, controlling parents, um, mm-hmm. didn't really watch a whole lot of horror media. My step, my no. step, my stepsister, <laughs> not stepsister, no, 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 my my babysitter, not stepsister, babysitter, watched The Shining one time, and I caught glimpses mm-hmm. of it. And okay. so, I've always, I always had a fascination with The Shining. It's now one of my favorite horror movies. But for, for vastly different reasons. But a lot of my exposure to horror came at glimpses, small little pieces here and there. There's one movie, my God, it has these little round puff balls. They're like little round aliens that are like little balls and they have razor sharp teeth. Oh, critters? Cr- not, I think it, I think it might actually be critters. I think it might actually be critters. The, 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 the movie. Yes, it's critters. And there's one scene when they're fucking in the barn. 
and like like the and she's like uh and it like bites either the dude or the gal's fingers off and that like fed right into my we don't put toes over the edge of the bed (laughs) again control over things you can't see but that's also like a very like basic i don't want my stuff bitten off sort of fear so it's just shit like that seeing critters for the first time or like seeing it like on tv um i didn't really ever have a whole lot of like horror movie we watched we were very science fictiony house okay Science fiction probably, can be scary at times too, though. Alien. Oh yeah, I, I, I would definitely say Alien was the first real horror movie, or one of the first real horror movies I watched. Uh, I didn't really get to expand out until I was, you know, in my teen years. Okay. Okay. So, but that's a good start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Of course, huge Halloween fan. Yeah, it's nice. it's a weird dichotomy, right? They don't want you watching horror movies. But hmm. but you can go, certainly go out trick or treating. I loved going out trick or treating. We were it was we were right on that tail end where it was like, well, let kids be kids and just roam. Now everyone helicopters. Mm-hmm. Speaking mm-hmm. as helicopter parent, mm-hmm. I, I I understand the phenomena of why people do what they do. But definitely it was it's it's it's, it's a lost era being able to just go out and you show you come back home like at like eleven. Mm-hmm. God knows where you've been. But you're you got two pillowcases full of candy, and you're gonna ride that high all the way into the next week. Easy. I think it depends on how old you are, because you know, obviously five or six, you can't do that. But if you got a group of kids that are you know twelve or thirteen, that's potentially old enough that they can take care of each other. When I was when I was a kid, it was we were we were out. The second we had second we were able to ride bikes, it was go anywhere. Done. You're 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 freeze Jaybird. Uh, but most, uh, you're right. The, the the norm is to send the teens out, uh, and that's yeah. probably what I'll do with my kids too. I, I live in a very small town, so I'll probably, you know, let them rip like Beyblades when they're teens. <laughs> Did you have a favorite costume when you're kid? Honestly, no. I, I I really. I mean, I know that's such a. I know it's such like a a, a cop out answer. I know it dresses a, a sa- like a ninja one time, like mm-hmm. a yellow and black ninja. That's the only thing mm-hmm. I can remember. So it must have been my favorite. I have really really bad memory. Like I can, I can give you maybe three childhood memories at most and like a general synopsis of what happened, but I can barely remember what I ate yesterday. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if just I'm stuck in the present or like what's wrong with my, the VHF, VHS tape of my brain, but I'm just here, man. <laughs> it's, it's, I have a hard time with some of the specifics. I was into Pokemon and maybe I dressed up like as like a Pikachu or something. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Would explain the yellow and black. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't suppose you remember a least favorite costume. Oh, uh, no, but I think I think that I think the uh, anything with masks was a quickly a no go because that's just hmm. it's so hot. I, I grew up in Florida. So anything ah. with masks, October's not fun, like autumnal weather. It's just brutal, miserable. <laughs> Of yep, course, yep. yeah. Can't Wet relate. blanket weather. Grew up in and still live in Florida. It's currently uh, almost December and I think it's like 70 ish outside. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's eighty where I'm at. We're we're after this. We're gonna go swimming at my uh my brother in law's house. Swimming in December. Uh-huh. In December. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not in the southern hemisphere. Almost. <sighs> Feels like we're on the goddamn other planet, dude. Florida's in its own mm. universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, for multiple reasons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, did you have any really scary dreams when you were a kid? Um. Yeah. Actually, you know, yes to that one. Um. I have had persistent fear. I've had persistent dreams of falling out of a tree, mm. and my teeth falling out. Ah, more loss of control, eh? Yep. Almost every, almost every single night, I have that same, that similar dream. I have never had the teeth falling out dream. I know that's like a, it's almost a trope with dreams now. But yeah, um, 
Never experienced it. Yep. It's it's definitely one of those, ah, yes, I've read a dream guide before. <laughs> that <laughs> means. But like, yeah, I, you know, as, as cheesy as it is, that be me, my boy. So you still have those? Even I, ha- today? I have those almost every single night. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, was there any any time when you were actually terrified of something in real life as a child? Um, no, I've I so I've lived a very like you know very you know, very much like over overbearing parents, but in that in that other regard, like very uneventful. Like I've I've done a lot of serial killer childhoods and a lot of like listen to a lot of viewers kind of like unburden some trauma. That's kind of the you know the nature of the life format is you kind of get some you know people sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. No, well, no because parents parents. are overbearing or, or helicopter parents doesn't mean that you don't have something scary happen when you're childhood. Yeah, so but it's like, still worth asking. I would say, but yeah, it's case, very no, sheltered, fine. very sheltered childhood. Mm-hmm. Never was cool enough to get invited to any parties. Never really went out and did anything mm-hmm. fun. Just very vanilla. Bland. Vanilla. As they would say in, in uh, the UK, beige. Exactly. <laughs> beige childhood. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, was there ever time in childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or blissful? I think I, I found bliss in books and and um, out in nature. Absolutely. Uh, I was in a Boy Scout, so I would go off and like just go into the woods and just sit and just hang out. and just Because yeah. I think there is like being removed from the variables, I think, is, is, is very helpful. Growing up mm-hmm. with ADHD, too, uh, at a time like in the 90s when it was a death sentence, not in a, mm-hmm. the literal sense. Many people have had to go through true death sentence like like your entire aids community has been like so they, they would scoff at, at my use of that but it was not seen as like a treatable thing it was mike i can't believe my kid has this mm-hmm. so i'm just removing myself and like either playing video games or just that was a, a way to escape i think a very helpful way to yeah. escape and be safe you mentioned books any particular books that you felt that way with you know, honestly, um, there was Clive Barker's book, Clive mm-hmm. Barker's book series. You never finished Clive. If you're listening, I swear to God, I will find you and I will politely suggest you finish it. Um, <laughs> it's it's the uh, series called The Aberat. And it has a, a young lady protagonist named Candy Quackenbush. And she goes to this this plane of existence where every I has like 25 islands, every single one denotating a time of day mm. where eight o'clock is perpetually eight o'clock. And the and the genetic and the genesequa that is eight, the, the vital essence of what eight PM is, and then twelve in hmm. the afternoon. And so I mean every every kid grew up reading Harry Potter too. And every, you know, kid that was in a miserable family situation wanted to escape just like Harry and do whatever Mm. you know problematic stuff with the books aside back then it was definitely one of those like i can't wait to get out of here and and touch my wand and then you end up just (laughs) and doing the exact same thing in a very different way um (laughs) so wizard (laughs) i'm a wizard (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing to that magic (laughs) it's magical you wouldn't understand Love it. <laughs> ah, it's magical, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more, more like a so, curse, dude. <laughs> well, uh, going back to the book here, so two questions I have about this. Number one, being that it's a Clive Barker book, where did the horror come in? Because wasn't a horror page one. Well, actually, you know, he, oh, so, it's, so it's you know, actually, it is. There, there's it's it's very much it's very palatable for non horror folks, mm-hmm. but there are some distinctly like very gothic 
horror tropes. Um, the, the, the tortured soul villain was uh, uh, one of the guys, Christopher Carrion, uh, or Carrion, and he's um, this mottled, you know, shriveled looking man who can only breathe in nightmares. He has like a, a tank built around his head where like oh. liquid nightmares you know, swirl around and sustain him. So I say there's no horror, but like he's one of the principal villains and and, 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 in, and in true Gothic fashion, he's this tragic doomed character that we eventually sympathize with. Dude, uh, and, his, and his mother is, you know, this, this horrible figure who, you know, entraps people and as, as poppets or, and like hems them into her dress made of skin. So yeah, there's, there's maybe some horror elements. <laughs> now, yeah, like, yeah. now that I think about it, yeah, maybe okay. Maybe there's some horror elements. It's a great series. It's only three no, books. It's, it's just a like five, fun, but. like, uh, mystical horror to it. Like, it's uh, on par with Sandman. Yes, this. I yes, might have this out. yes, sir. Do it. You won't regret it. Abarat's fantastic. Get, mm-hmm. for, for those readers, do not settle for the trade paperback. Or like just the, the mass distribution paperback. Clive actually custom painted all of the Ooh. artwork for the books. Okay, so you're going to yes. want to find like the a deluxe or like the larger editions because they're all um, hand painted. All the characters are. So it's a really beautiful volume. Cool. Yeah. Second question being that this was Clive Barker and you were in an overprotective childhood. How the fuck did you even hear about it? To get your hands on it. Yes. Honestly, that. my parents. So, so like they just didn't public library. No, they, they, they just, it was, a, it was a road trip to Sarasota. They just, they, they bought some books. My, my, my poor stepmom, God bless her. Just like read just enough to just get into, to something and then didn't read enough to like, Oh, well this okay. offends my sensibility. So like that, that same trip, she a teenage boy bought a copy of like tiger beat. But then that book as well, or like, but mm-hmm. like the, the the J, like those like pop culture magazine things, and then mm-hmm. that. So it's just a complete scattershot of just media, <laughs> no real rhyme or reason to it. Um, you know, there's one thing to be to be overbearing; it's another to actually be good at being overbearing, and that's <laughs> that's a vital dis- distinction. I wonder, did she ever ask you about the book later on? Like, oh, how's that book going? And you're like, good. Good. Fantastic. (laughs) And shaping parts of myself I didn't even know were there, (laughs) ma'am. Who was the author again? Uh, I don't know. Shelf Silverstein or something. That's the thing. They wouldn't have even connected Clive Barker to Hellraiser or anything like that. I don't think they would have put two and two together, to be totally honest with you. It's just another name on the page for them. They're they're, they're, they're yuppies. So, like, my stepdad and my mom are, like, religious fundies. And Mm -hmm. then, because she, you know, she's, you know, divorced, you know, divorced, um, yeah, it, it, she was the one who cheated. My mother was, so it was. I think she was wrestling with a lot of guilt and stuff. And there's those people who kind of come in to faith who are like fundamentally just fucked and like mm-hmm. needs need just a complete reset. And some people turn to some things, others turn to others. She turned to that, and so I spent a lot of time on her side, like very like fundy experience. But my dad and stepmom were just very yuppie. Very much like 80s, 90s. I have my briefcase to do business. It's not like my parents. <laughs> Cooler. So mm. it's just, it's it's kind of like a, a very strange diversity that there's kind of on both sides of the spectrum. And where one side would say no, the other side would say yes, but not really understanding why they did what they did. It's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. I You mentioned something about your parents not even being able to re- um, 
tie Clive Barker's name to Hellraiser. I'm wondering, did you at the time, mm. or did you just pick up the book randomly, or did you recognize that he was related to Hellraiser? Got red on the dust jacket. You know, nice. I, I always, always, I mean, I, I you know, well, look at you being observant. Trolling, trolling the aisles of Blockbuster. I knew about Hellraiser. I wanted to watch it, but you know, that's a, that's mm. a no, no. This is Blockbuster was the great equalizer where mm-hmm. like you could be made aware of content without ever even knowing what it is. As long as that like a provocative enough cover, right? There's that one kind of side box back on the shelf when they start walking over. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's that one cover that had like the sexy alien. It was like extinct species or, or like, you know what I'm talking about? Was it just species? species. Yeah. Maybe just species. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that you, you, I it's have funny. no idea what that movie is about. that we know exactly what it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying though. These, the blockbuster yes. just, it, it was the cut that the, the idea of the cover art was so and I've powerful. never even seen the movie. I just know that just the cover art. Like I didn't, I've never even seen the movie. Just you describing it. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Exactly. And, and, you know, and I, I guarantee you in watching it, I prom I've never seen it either. I promise you it'll be woman without clothes, then alien without clothes, but she'll still have human boobs. And like, I already know what's coming. Like, it's not going to be some revolutionary thing, but right. like yeah. the, the, the poster remains etched yes. all these posters remain and then you know th- maybe that would be some of the argument that some of the first introduction would be all these series of, of very provocative movie posters that i was just play. gonna say it's also uh speaks well to the person who designed that poster yeah, yeah right it's very effective yeah. it's yeah. it's not a very like involved poster but it's no. certainly in a world it's it was well that's what good graphic design is it's very simple but it, like it connects with you immediately exactly I can I can yeah. say yeah I agree and this is proof in the pudding right yeah yeah so so let's see anything else I want to ask about childhood oh um did you have any other other than the family that we've already talked about did you have any other family or friends who were um, fans of horror you know my uncle Randall must have been because for my like. 11th 12th birthday just got me a full-on xenomorph action figure nice. and never i'd never seen alien like he kind of like oh i don't know what this is but like he was he was in his 30s he knew what it was and so mm-hmm. like i was like oh that's great <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i fucking love the shit out of that thing dude that was fantastic okay teenage years no you mentioned um the aberrat was that teenage years or was that childhood on the cusp on, on the edge okay. um teenage years i was I, I finally got a car and when i was 16 and i just it was a hellraiser from that point forward in terms of like being able to just go out and, and drive that little little gold honda accord anywhere mm-hmm. i wanted to and go see movies and stuff Ooh, that was that was that was a, a good time that Freedom. was that was my really Freedom. exactly that's when i was really able to like you know st- and, and these weren't good horror movies i was seeing we're talking like final destination it's like hang out with your teenage friends those that i did have especially at 17 going out with them seeing like those like really shitty late 2000s horror movies mm-hmm. god we live in such a good glut right now of like a 24 highbrow art horror God, we live in like a great world. Yeah, but but back then, it was definitely more like just sh- just schlocky. You know, you got your Abercrombie on, and you, everyone smells like a fucking you know, potpourri basket on 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 meth, and we're all <laughs> just going out to the to, to these these god awful fucking movies. God, that was about the time too where Saul was a big thing. Yeah, it wasn't really ever into those. Not really. That's one one genre where I can't get into is this is the gore porn. 
Nope, no fault to those who enjoy it. It's just staying for me. Plot okay. is good. Plot, plot is important too. Yeah. Plot be hidden different though. True. So uh, you mentioned Final Destination. Was that a good one or a bad one for I, you? Or were there I other fucking, ones that- they're not good movies, but I love them. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Yep. I yep, love right. those stupid movies. I'm trying to think back now to like late 2000 or like mid 2000s horror movies that would have come out because I would have seen them in theaters. Um, Let's see, I, there was the uh, and there was I a bad crop of them that had like 3D, needless 3D in uh, there. Jaws. Yeah, maybe. I know. Jaws was older, but like, uh, yeah, like the Friday the 13th. I think uh, Nightmare had one that was 3D as well. That's yeah. that's still earlier than 2000s, though. That's um, no, but like, when oh, I was when I was Valentine. Yes, that was that was one. Uh, the Ring. How am I fucking forgetting The Ring? Ah. Fundamentally changed me. That was that. That's if you were to pick one, that's that's the one. How did it change you? The imagery was just so potent. Mm-hmm. The the raininess, the gloom, and I think like and, and I, I did some research on you all ahead of time because that's what you d- you do. And yeah. so I was already mm-hmm. kind of like trying to think to make sure I didn't have any. I didn't want to be a bad guess. Where it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, but you know, that's where uh, I've kind of self diagnosed this this fascination with with doom, uh, with inescapable, okay. not the some mo- some not 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 the snarling monster or the the asylum, but just this this concept of being damned from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ring just does that so well. The, the the figure makes such a great start, and I mean, they obviously, they end up surviving. I mean, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, that's your fault at this point, y'all. <gasps> but like, they, they, or, you know, most people aren't surviving. But this uh, this idea that like you could unravel the mystery and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that that damnation and doom are coming to you. Yeah, that um, foreboding, just unavoidable dread of something is going to happen, and you have no con- no control again. Yeah, look at that. Wouldn't you know, right? <laughs> you, you, you feel like you do because you're unraveling the mystery and you're peeling back yeah. the wallpaper and you're learning what happened in the well and all these other th- these little secret things. But in the end, it just doesn't matter. That's why I felt that the ring kind of started that off for me. Um, and like really, just a, it, it's been a, like a, a passion with all the horror movies I tr- that truly stick with me and all the horror movies that truly stick with me. In some way, you can find a piece. And that's really, there's nothing too innovative there. I mean, horror, that's always been a thing with horror. We know Mm -hmm. of the five people, four will die. Like, we're confident. Mm -hmm. It's just, will they go ahead and have the fifth one die or not? That's usually, there's almost a predestination in all horror media or most horror media. But there's movies that just... That, that that's there's part of that's baked into the format and there's part of it that, that some movies that make that the theme and i love the ones that make that the theme of it because it is fascinating space to explore and then mm-hmm. even outside of horror right how many of our decisions you know are are, are predestined we're already always going to happen well, you mentioned that a second ago that it reminded me of a, a non-horror movie called predestination which is really good yeah, it's 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 an you know, idea that, you know, especially I think those who are ex-faith or who have changed faith or whatever, you know, also wrestle with, mm-hmm. you know, if there is something bigger, not saying that there is or isn't, but if there is, how much of our actions are truly our own, mm-hmm. how much of it is just going through the dress rehearsal that would be whatever, even those without faith, right? Oh, the, the subconscious is the the other piece, the the more you know the natural biological element. How much of what we do is our own understanding, and mm-hmm. how much do our actions really matter? And in horror, especially with the ring, how much can we change the outcome? How much can we really change the outcome? 
And that's what's kind right. of a fascinating idea that's just kind of always stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, even there are some situations where, like you say, you might have some control over something, but in the end, it winds up being meaningless because no matter which option you would have chosen, you still would have gotten crushed by the boulder, you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, it's, you know, speaking of this house of horrors, you know, it's it's kind of a, a bone chilling idea that I was always designed to, to buy this particular place that every path I would take would take me <laughs> here. And in turn, when whatever the outcome ends up happening afterwards, it was always going to be that way. Like the, the future is waiting. The, the, the future is waiting for me. The future is waiting for you. The chair you'll sit in, you know, before that, that you'll, that you'll die of a heart attack. And, you know, when you're 85 in mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's either, you know, it's, it hasn't been made yet, but the pieces of it are waiting for you. And then when it is yep. made and it's previous owner sits in it and then go and it has a birthday party and it is sitting with their kid in it. The chair is still waiting for you. And it's just this kind mm-hmm. of fascinating macabre, you know, uh, uh, worldview. It's probably not an accurate worldview, but it's kind of interesting to roll your head around it for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny to hear you say that because I have this um, print that I purchased a couple years ago now of it's like six feet wide by like a foot and a half tall of some mountain, I think in Africa, actually. And it's a really beautiful print. But the thing that I loved about it was just that this this mountain, if I remember correctly, it's like the remnants of a volcano where the um, the stone that was inside, you know, the magma chamber was a harder type of material than the stuff around it. So that as everything else got worn away, what was left was this harder material, Mm. but the, the, the view of this landscape, it's, it's just got this presence to it. And I, I've always, you know, I've also had not the best childhood either. And at some point in my childhood, I, kind of understood that my adult life was going to be better than my childhood was and that things were going to continue to get better as I became an adult, as I started to gain independence and and start to have the power and the influence over choosing the the things that I want in my life that I didn't get to to choose before. And when I saw this, I was already in my late twenties or early thirties. And I saw this and I was just like, wow, that, that really spoke to me because because it, it felt like, you know, this fate of, of, you know, in my future. But the funny thing is, like, for me, that was a positive thing. And here you're talking about it potentially being a negative thing. Like, you don't really know what what that presence in your future could be. It could be good or it could be bad. I think, I think it could be both because, I mean, yeah. Yosemite is the same way that yeah. you mean Yosemite is one of the most beautiful places on in the earth. Right? And I've, 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 I just recently got back there. It's been fresh in my mind. It was also that harder rock. It was, mm-hmm. it was destined to be there. Like as, as, same as thing a thing, the devil's tower, exactly. As the mm-hmm. rest of the world kind of washed away, it was just waiting for the inevitability of existing. Like it was already there and it would dominate everything else. So it is, it's also a good thing. I think too, you know, there is a chair out there in which I will die and I don't know which, which one it is. And I don't know where it'll be, but I, I, there's no way of possibly knowing. I can't not sit for the rest of my life. So I I think it does free you up still to let go of control, Mm -hmm. you know, in the inverse it's, it's a terrifying thought, but it also, I think is this idea that 
you're going to have to let go. You have to, because there's no other alternative to it. You know how you, uh, oh shit. I'm fucking up the quote. Um, one of my favorite authors, Joseph Campbell, again, um, said said this in one of his interviews, and I don't know. I'm guessing he probably was probably quoting somebody else. But um, do you know how you turn an involuntary act into a voluntary act? Hmm. I don't think I've heard this one. You lie and say you meant to do that. That's part of it. But basically, he was talking about falling. Do you know how do you falling is an involuntary act? Yeah. And to turn it into a vol- voluntary act, you dive. Hmm. You lean into it. Oh. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, maybe you don't have control over how it started, but you're going to control how it ends. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that, that, that is good. This is a profound one, dude. I bet all your episodes are profound though. <laughs> we try. Yeah. This is some good shit. I'm really excited. I'm really like, I'm really enjoying this conversation, boys. This is, so are we. this is fantastic. But anyway, yeah, it's, 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 it's having some ownership. Of, of the uncontrollable in our lives. I think that's a fascinating way to look at it. Yeah. Did you participate in Halloween as a teen? Uh, yeah. For as long as I could. I was, nice. I was absolutely, <laughs> you know, in the sauce for as long as I could. Pretty much, I think, 16 or 17. And now I'm a dad, so I get to do it all over again. Right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm a big, I'm a big kid with phase. them. It's awesome. I don't have a kid, but I got a nephew, so I can vicariously get it. Yes. Yeah, you just you you're like nope. listen. These are the best pastas to go. Trust me, you're gonna want to get a pillowcase. It's kind of cool graduating from, you know, child to, you know, the wi- the, the 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 wizened guide of Halloween, <laughs> the Halloween curator, the cool uncle. Yeah, yeah. over there, raisins avoid at all costs. Exactly <laughs> though, but it's, it's 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 so true. It's you get to you get to become almost um, an alumni. You know. Yeah, and and you, you don't have to let go of, of being a kid. You can still be a kid. It's just you know you graduate and you get to you know shepherd someone else and give them a slightly better iteration and hope that maybe or you same. get the raisins, but you eat them with the chocolate. That's too. true. Yeah, still no. Yeah, yeah. I get this macro. One raisin, one M M&M. and M. One raisin, one M M&M. and M. This this sounds <laughs> dangerously like moderation, and I don't. This like is it. this is true horror. <laughs> <laughs> What is that about moderation? Damn it. Halloween's about a tummy filled entirely with chocolate and peanut butter. You're Mm. damn right. This man speaks the true true. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. (laughs) Rick and Morty reference. (laughs) Well, technically, it would have been a Cloud Atlas. (laughs) Cloud Atlas first. Both. both. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Did you you happen to remember any of your uh, costumes from teenage years in Halloween? (sighs) Honestly, it's good. It's such a cop out, but no, like I, I truly just have almost no memory period. Like it's, okay. it's, it's not I, every question is going to hit. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I, I live almost entirely in the present. Um, I, I, I could tell you like the past two years I've dressed up as I did, um, Dr. Doolittle with a whole bunch of stuff with a bunch of beanie babies. And I did oh. a, a, a corporate drone where I cut up an old work uniform and put a, put a work headset on. Nah. So, <laughs> you know, capitalism, it's fun. Right. I like That's- working the rest of my life. That is scary. That is a very scary costume. <laughs> what are you? Your future. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitability, child. No. <laughs> Dad, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, Other than the uh, dreams of falling out of a tree and, and losing your teeth, do you, do you have any other um, 
scary dreams as a teen that you remember? Um, those have those have stayed, and those are the only ones I have. Like that's that's truly okay. that, that. I think that really covers the gamut in terms of just all the the the, the, the stuff I've I've continually lived with, especially the teeth one. I fucking hate teeth. In terms of things I'm truly scared of now, <laughs> and make me uncomfortable. Teeth make me visually uncomfortable. White right. ones. The nice ones, all the ones in between. I just truly do not like teeth. Have you ever seen uh, Channel Zero? No. Is it going to be teeth involved? Because I'll probably say <laughs> there's a, it's a show on Shutter. It's actually pretty cool. It's like uh, episodic, but uh, also serial and just kind of one of those weird mystery shows. Like what the hell is going on in this small town with with weird shit like a monster made of teeth it's a humanoid form and it's uh just comprised entirely of teeth ah i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll make a I? warning stay away from that show then no me gusta i don't like whatever that show is doing i don't like it it's interesting i wonder why teeth make you uncomfortable because they've been in my nightmares all this all this time i get yeah. i i don't i i really i've never had a cavity i've i've been a good tooth boy mm-hmm. um not that there is such thing as a good tooth or a bad tooth boy but i right. i've been relatively diligent with my own teeth but you know it's it's one of those things where i just they, i just don't like them i fundamentally fundamentally don't oh yeah you've had well, enough- what i'm wondering is You've had enough inspiration with the recurring dreams for years. I was going to say, I would think by this time you would hopefully have gotten like a hold of maybe lucid dreaming. If you've had this dream so many times, you can just be like, I have the teeth falling out there again. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you would think so. And I've, I've actually tried to lucid dream before. Cause I did, I did an episode on it um, for our panel on Monday night. I, I really did try to lucid dream and I don't, I'm, I'm not ever able to f- maintain the focus. It's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm constantly trying to get mastery over myself with ADHD. Mm. So it's, it's constantly trying to like grab the reins and steer myself that with lucid dreaming, I'm automatically thinking of something else. The minute I try it's, it's Ah. unfortunate. Mm. One of these days I'll be able to do it. I had a friend of mine who could, um, Mm. and would, would vividly dream and would swear up and down that they had true lucidity while dreaming and could control their space and could actually project. But me, no dice it's i i can do it sometimes but it's it's a mixture sometimes i I, sometimes i recognize it sometimes i don't basically the first thing is i have to recognize that i'm dreaming and then once i recognize it then i can maybe control it but in the last few years my my subconscious has kind of started to outsmart me in that it creates situations that if I'm close to recognizing that it's a dream, it starts turning the dream into something that'll piss me off because it knows that when I get mad, it I'll, I'll just wake up. Oh, but- <laughs> <laughs> so rather than letting me, you know, take control over it and, and do what I want with it. It's like, no, I'm just going to piss you off. Fuck you. Fuck you young man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason that I'm wondering about the, the whole thing about teeth making you uncomfortable is obviously, yes, there's, there's the easy, connection to it just being a, a reminder of your dream but there could be other interpretations too and that's that's what i was kind of mulling over yeah in real life ha- have you had a had you had any experiences in real life as a teen that actually scared you honestly ah uh, 
I don't think. If not, that's fine. I, I don't think so. There's been a couple of times where I've been home and I thought I could hear someone in the house, which I didn't really, I'd always thought like, that's, oh, that's scary. Just someone being in your house. That's real spooky. But then like when you were suspecting that someone might be trying to break in and stealthily maneuver against you in your space, that is very scary. It turns out it wasn't. It turns out it was one of the dogs at the back door. But like <laughs> I, went, I just straight up like had a knife and was like slinking towards the back door and like trying to, to measure a game what would be the best strategy like do i go for the achilles tendon right away like just mm. like it, it, went, it went all the way there and that was i mean it was obviously a big old false alarm but you don't really realize how scary that is and i i told i've told stories about home invasions and i'm always like and then <laughs> you he the door and door just like hey how's it going, hey, it's going <laughs> <laughs> but like i've told stories about home invasions or like killers who would go in and sneak into homes as part of their like escalating madness and i was like oh and then he broke in how scary is that but i'm like no, like it truly is. It's it's nightmare fuel when you really think about it. Right. So interesting. Was there ever a time in your teenage years when you felt completely calm, safer at bliss? I th- I think being able to drive and get out of the house and having my mm. own agenda, like a Friday night, even if it wasn't hanging out with the friends, being able to just have my own agenda was was always just huge. Having a space that was my own and being able to like put together a, a like a, a plan to to separate my myself and divorce myself from agency exactly mm-hmm. the, the yeah. incredible wild wacky fun world of agency i i totally agree with you all right let's jump into adult years then uh any horror media that really jump out to you in your adult years um yeah i mean in my adult years i was finally able to to watch a lot of the classics so to speak mm-hmm. The Shining will always be one of my number one picks because mm-hmm. it it just truly is a, a, an incredible piece of media that that speaks to so much. Adult Years Two, Hereditary just completely mind fucked me. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm still I'm a different person having watched it, like fundamentally, and that's the same with both with The Shining. Both of those wrestle with exterior oppressive elements mm-hmm. working in opposition to. And in and, and that sense of doom, that sense of, you know, damnation from the start, all these all these elements yeah. are present. There. Yeah, and it's the dread um, from the start that you don't even realize was from the start until afterwards. Unless, and I'm curious about this one, you being into, uh, you know, true horror and uh, uh, real life macabre things. Did you also notice the payment sigil from the very beginning? Like, wait, I know that one That's payment. So I, I actually didn't. Ashamedly, I, I had no idea. Um, and even I, I watched that having done the show. Like I truly didn't know about a lot of the the Goetica, a lot of the the the, mm-hmm. the, the, the keys of Solomon and the more highbrow arcana until mm-hmm. far too late. Yeah, I mean he's not one of the main ones. It's not like you know he's like Astaroth or uh, uh, Marbus or anything. But I did notice the format. Like that's that's a Goetia sh- sigil. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's, it's, it's, it's so obvious now, but I just think for those, I think even those who are like drenched in the occult may not even picked up on it. Cause you're just not expecting it. You don't think it's that True. kind of yeah. movie. And it, it, it was it very, truly uh, comes out of left field. Yeah. Even though everything's so on the head. I know I haven't seen it, but I know Chris has also said there are things about that movie where they're intentionally sort of keeping things in the background and not necessarily putting it right in your face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm wondering if those things that you're referencing are also things that were not intentionally, you know, put in your face to shove it in your face kind of thing. Like the naked people. 
the nudies. <laughs> They're not wearing any clothes either. I can see his painter. It's scary. <laughs> it's incredible. So when you mentioned uh, that you're not the same after watching Hereditary, what do you mean by that? I think that really, that movie just really shook my noodle up. And because, I mean, I know you haven't seen it, but like a lot of the, the motifs, it's a person who builds doll houses um, and like models. And this idea that, that we are just in a doll house, our own existence is so small so confined and is is so viewable from the outside you know i, I again gr- i grew up religious so i mean it's my my experience my mileage varies now very differently but it is still this this idea of uh, of something from the outside monitoring you mm-hmm. and what it truly means to be a small ant in a cosmic sense it it changes it changes the scope in which you view things, and that's what hereditary at least did for me. I know it's probably not the intended metaphor that they were going for, but it changed at least my perspective mm. because we we always were like, oh, you know, the the, the big man, this guy's watching out for us. We're like, oh, there's demons out there, but like the idea of a demon is truly just like terrifying because they're viewing in on the dollhouse of your life, and it's just a matter of how they will fuck you over, rather than like, can I? Mm-hmm. And you just a lot of demonology just doesn't touch on on that level of just true mind fuckery. But what can I say? Yeah, I never thought about that aspect of the uh, the film. But you're right; it is kind of especially the way the all right spoilers, people. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. It's been out for how many two five years now? But yeah. the uh, you know the family and the cult and the way they're orchestrating the whole reincarnation of payment through Charlie, it really does have a whole uh, uh, overarching controlling force over the whole uh, dollhouse that is their lives kind of feel. Yeah. And, and it, it, it'll really just absolutely mind fuck you when you realize that um, every time the, I mean, you probably already knew it, but like every time that the payment is present in the world, mm-hmm. it's with a, it's with a, a lens flare. Like when the mm-hmm. mother is with the, having like the, um, the jeweler's loop on and she's yep. looking at her scopes. So like that it's, it's, we're not even seeing the demon present. We're seeing its its gaze mm, moving like through. Yeah, it's it's just it's it or it's just looking through the space. So when it's when its attention zeroes in on the door and then vanishes, mm-hmm. that's you know from the outside of the dollhouse, that malignant force, you know, watching and and and, manu- and moving and manipulating itself through as you can, and entirely in a controlling sense. It's just a very fascinating look. Mm-hmm. But anyway, something you said about, um, you know, it's not how they fuck. It's not if they fuck you over it, but how kind of reminds me of, are you familiar with the monkey paw? Yes. Concept? Yep. Yep. I, again, doom and damnation from the start and, and mm-hmm. a, a complete lack yeah. of control, even though you think you have a tool that can fix everything. But anyway, with the monkey's paw, that's a, that's a really great comparison. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm also thinking of is that another aspect of this lack of control or is, intellect like you can't know what you don't know mm-hmm. you know there's there's boundaries to the things that we can conceive of because we don't know all, all the possibilities or all the you know different outcomes and things like that there's just limit there's limitations you know yeah i could see that i mean we we could continue asking about uh, other media in your adult life but i i think we've already seen the the common themes here 
we've also talked about uh, some of the stuff as an adult in terms of Halloween, Dr. Doolittle. Although I'm, I'm curious if that was just like something to please your kids or was there like a personal, it was just last minute. (laughs) It was completely last minute looking for, for something to, to, to do, to be honest with you. Mm. Okay. Uh, we've already talked about scary dreams as an adult, anything actually terrify you as an adult in real life. Uh, you know, the dark still makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know what it is about it, but the dark makes me very uncomfortable. Even today. I couldn't tell you why. Couldn't really explain, you know, the 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 how behind it. It's just I I know what what about it makes me uncomfortable, and I can't stop being uncomfortable with it. Mm. It's I don't like not being able to see, all that kind of stuff makes me very scared. Boy, all work and no play makes me very scared. Boy. <laughs> Next two questions I want to ask you are going to cover your entire life, but I'm going to give you the, the questions at the same time because it could be the same answer for both, or it could be two different answers. Yeah. First question is what's your favorite movie. And then the second one is what movie have you watched more times than any other? Ooh, and is this external to horror or just with yeah, correct any genre? Any genre. God, oh man, this is a real this is a real brain teaser. I would mm-hmm. say, Lord of the Rings is is like I know it's it's, it's I know it's mini movies, mm-hmm. but Return of the King is just it just hits it be hidden different, my dude. It be hidden so so good. It's such a profound movie. And it really just does speak to almost the opposite. That's why I think I really like it. They do have agency. They do have control. And mm-hmm. when all else, when when that doom is there, they're able to to snap it away at the last moment. By no virtue of what the characters did at all either. Sometimes it's it's the anti doom, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 miracle as anti doom is is almost why I would like why I would like it as well. They, it's not all about doom and gloom. I do like too this idea of of complete unearned redemption. Sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just get lucky, and the small little man who looks like a a, a, a penis brought to life sometimes he just falls in the lava with the, with the ring, and that's all that it takes. It, mm-hmm. it's, you created the right environment, and and the the, the miracle took over. And sometimes you're stuck on a rock after the, you know, penis dude fell in the lava and you're like, all right, I'm going to die. But then burbs. <laughs> what? Where were these birds earlier? Photo muttered. There's been but a whole token, thing on this. It's, he explained I know. it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting into all this. It's, it, that's, a, that's a weak man's uh, argument. I, I like to argue about birds. <laughs> but um, Birds aren't real, you know. Exactly. They're, it's, just, it's, all, it's all a conspiracy. <laughs> so I, I've, I've seen that movie a fucking ton. I love that. I love that whole series. But Return of the King is the big standout. Yeah, that is the best one. It's, I it's just so damn good. But I've seen uh, The Shining a lot as well. And I really do. I know. I know it's like, well, that's the horror answer. But I, I truly do have a profound passion for The Shining. Um, it, it really is just one of the best movies, in my opinion, ever made. And it speaks because there's so many different elements. It talks about the, you know, the, 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 the Native American tragedy in America. It talks about the, the idea of, of life as maze. It talks about the idea of, of madness and isolation and rid- all these things. Your boy mm-hmm. be liking it. Your boy be down with it. Ye. Ye indeed, my friend. Yeet <clears throat> indeed. Life is a maze. That also ties back to control or lack of control. Life is mm-hmm. a highway, and I want to ride it all night long. <laughs> all night long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, we, we heard you singing. Um, Oh, what the hell is this? Um, it was M- Muffin Man? Let's hear it for the boy. Yeah. No, well, that too. <laughs> uh, 
have to start it the, before you, you, we started I, recording. You're probably, you're, I, I'm kind of stunned. I, I didn't happen to spit out any Whitney, dude. I'm a huge Whitney Houston nerd. So <laughs> they're making a movie about her. I know. Trust yeah. me, I'm very excited. I'm Ooh. I'm I'm su- supremely excited for the Whitney Houston motion picture. Indeed. Capital. Off topic, but what do you love about that? She or her? She be hidden different, dude. She's just in, a, in an absolutely incredible range, and you can hear the passion and 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 the humanity in her voice. That's what it just. It's just so. I I can't express how much like it's it's always just shitty pop, but it's my kind of shitty pop, and okay. I, I, I like it. Okay. Um, for the two movies you mentioned, Lord of the Rings and The Shining, was that for favorite or for more t- the thing you've watched more times than any? I've other? watched Return more times than than anybody, but but The Shining is my favorite. I mean, I've I've watched I've watched you know Return like eight or nine times, and I've watched The Shining several times because I actually wrote a college paper on it. Um, okay, but The Shining is like my my if I, if I go watch a movie forever, it would be that one. But Return of the Kings when I've just watched a whole bunch. Especially like, you know, and, and, and it, growing up without control, you know, that one just resonates because mm-hmm. it's, it is, it is the, the, the hope of the miracle that comes through. How about a least favorite movie? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so my wife's not going to be happy with, with, with me, oh. but you know, what can you do? Um, that Harry, no, so, so it's, it's nothing so trope as that. Um, I've been watching a lot of we, we've been calling it hallmark again so in october oh, no. october is my month and i watch all the horror movies and i make her watch a curated list of horror movies mm-hmm. and interred the divine trade-off is for november and december and december and, Dece- oh. and december yeah that's that's <laughs> Poor you know, man. listen it's it's passion passion for the person who's the most important happy wife happy life. exactly there you go. exactly <laughs> so <laughs> We've been watching just a whole, a gaggle, if you will, mm. a whole host of the most of 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 uh, horror movies. There they are, they are horrific. But um, watching a lot of 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 Hallmark, and I gotta say, I just I'm just not I'm just straight up not having a good time, bro. <laughs> 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 it's they are. There's a couple where I'm like they're okay, but for the most part, it's brutal. Like it really is just mind numbing. Ooh, I have an idea. So that's what y'all should do. That, game? That's, no, no. that's the real horror, dude. Horror makes us happy. Not all of it. I can mm, tell you that right yeah. now. The, the name of this podcast is a lie. Not all horror makes us happy. Some of it just completely erodes our faith in existence. Yeah. Yeah, potentially because you don't have the control over watching the Hallmark movies. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. I would argue there's too much control. Everything is so sanitized that it's just. No, I mean, you don't I'm, have control. That's true, too. Yes. Yeah. You're right. You're like, you're like uh, Alex in Clockwork Orange with the eyelids peeled open. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like pulling teeth, which is terrifying, uh, terrifying yeah. for me. But. All right, so here's an idea on how to cope with the Hallmark movies. Just make a game out of it. Uh, check the eyes of every single one of the actors and, and look if you can just see that that look of my soul is dead inside because I'm sure you'll find it in two or three of them. So I actually have mm-hmm. a little game from amongst myself of, of trying to find plot holes because they're always so easy that you feel oh, really yeah, accomplished. You win that game like, every time. Oh, well, why didn't you mow the lawn before you win? Look at it like just continuity. Just, just, <laughs> just dumb snide. Like, you know, it, it's 
oh, you're real fun at parties. Yeah, that's why I'm keeping it in my brain because I know it's yeah. not actually fun. But you know, because if you can predict the plot, you know that there's you're not watching it for the plot. So I just like to watch. I it mean, for you the could predict plot. half a Hallmark movies all of them my favorite genre of Hallmark movie ones are the ones where i really don't like the guy like i profoundly so think well no like there's there's a couple <laughs> where i'm like okay he's 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 pretty cool like he's a bro like yeah. uh, let, let's hear it for him but like there's other ones where we were watching, watching this one yesterday where the, <laughs> the 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 protagonist like the hunky man was this bespectacled hoa president like mm. who in the right my rightful mind is going to fuck the president of the HOA unless you're trying to get out of something, you know, but like I, 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 I kept thinking, okay, so he's, he's our red herring. Where's going to be, the, where's was, the real hunk? This written by someone who's an HOA president. It must have been. It had to have been because <laughs> he is the most un, like he's traipsing around in her bushes, finding like measuring the height of her <laughs> nutcrackers. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much innuendo in that sense yeah, like, exactly though but, but like I was I was like okay so this guy can't be it like there has to be somebody better but no like there was no I, I kept, I, kept I, I was expecting like the owner of the Christmas tree lot to come in or like some other assorted Christmas stud mm-hmm. no Christmas stud appeared yeah yeah he sounds like the guy who would be the the anti uh, you know end movie hookup guy like like the guy who's dumped for the better guy but no yeah. that was that he was the one he invites himself huh? into her home oh, and fine. he's like and, it, and he's just well, like he's president of the HOA he can do that you know it's just my neighborhood bitch so what you're telling me is that they actually wrote a movie where the incel gets the girl yes <laughs> and, and, and what's worse is I can tell like in the in the, the sequel that happens only in and my put mind it on, and put it on Hallmark for, for that the, the, the sequel that goes in my mind would be on Shudder because she breaks up with him <laughs> and he meticulously stalks her and like a, a fun Christmas themed stalking serial killer slasher romp oh my god does he get her in the end like does, does the he stalker does. get the girl what the fuck is that it's 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 brutal i'm just like you know these are all the behaviors i think i think to. you need to write that sequel right it, it's it already <laughs> happens in my it's already happened in my brain for now that's where it'll live but one day i'm gonna make it where i any, mean i mean literally make the characters the same names like make it well, and, and, well, and, I don't know if you can well, do and that. all the all the accompanying side pieces are like your typical ensemble cast where you have like the hyper aggressive neighbor and mm-hmm. then like one of the other neighbors who's just like a little grumpy, but a real softy. So like doing a slasher that like like a slasher parody of like a Hallmark movie would be hilarious. I wonder. I wonder Ooh. if you could hire the actors to play those. Kids oh. and get, like, just I would guarantee like, you it's going to be on budget for sure. Well, yeah, put. Put uh put like a disclaimer, you know that you know the, not not representing any characters or whatever. Like how far, how, how close could you get it without getting sued? You know what I mean. Just- you you could even be on the nose and say like um like welcome to Hall Spot Village. And I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just like if the guy's name just is like, on uh, the nose know, enough. Dan Fraser or something. Make make his name Fan Drazer. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I sure do love living in Hall Spot Village. This is great. Every, the, everything's predictable. We all we all love living here. And then it just slowly erode like a slasher movie it would be awesome. Fair but use. Maybe it's just Sounds me. like you got something yeah, there, right? If this whole streaming thing doesn't work out, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna right. make my Hallmark slasher movie. I'm on board. <laughs> I, I am a yeah, fan. Man. I'm with it. <laughs> 
I'd pay a dollar to see that. Deck the halls this season. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror that you like? Uh, Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, supernatural. I, I, I like cult stories. I love a good cult story. Um, and I, I do, I don't like slashers are more just like popcorn movies for me. I, I do like, um, supernatural, but in the sense of like the unknowable, Again, mm-hmm. speaking of speaking to hereditary, the true like you truly can't begin to wrap your mind around what's happening. Right. I love that shit. I don't yeah. like when they explain everything to you. I love just just I think that's more terrifying. Even if you get to see the monster not understanding its motivation because you can't act mm-hmm. against it. It's speaking of the dark. Like if you right. can't see the totality of the thing, you have no idea what its plan is and you or you can't do anything to stop it. Well, I think we are to kind of talked about that stuff but what about the cult stories how does that tie in i just like cults <laughs> like they're my favorite piece of true crime media i i just i really profoundly love cults i love exploring other religious ideas and so cults in particular i like going, oh okay so you took that verse and you used mm-hmm. that to do these pe- i you know i i get why people join cults i don't think there's any idiots when it comes to joining cults everyone has their reasons everyone has their motivation i just really enjoy watching people create religion because i really am a sucker for like the trappings of religion like i still love like catholic robes and like the pope's cool hat and like Mm. hymns and like stuff like that that's it's got such a neat vibe that i love when people manufacture religion and tradition and like why people fall into it i find it to be in i could i could talk about cults all the time because i find it to be infinitely fascinating I don't find them scary. I just find them fascinating. In fact, I have the Heaven's Gate cult, the one who did the die with their Nikes on. I have their manifesto. Like I, I actually own a copy of them. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's in my bookshelf, and cool. I've read through all of it. I just, you know, I just like cults. Me, 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 me like cult. <laughs> hmm. Cult good. Cult, cult good. Cult not good, but cult good for me. Cult me, yes, white cult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one thing that you mentioned about uh, using particular verses to do this or that, that's, that's kind of like a power control thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The loving the hymns, the robes, the traditions. Yeah. Hmm, I, maybe it's just a comfort thing. I, I think it could be. I, mean, yeah. I think it's, um, it takes a lot of the unknown out of it. This is how we do things. This is how we approach the divine. This is how we, you know, this is how we ornate ornament ourselves. This is how we speak to the divine. Because the divine is, you know, as a concept, even for, you know, atheists or whatever, like just the idea of the divine as concept is almost unfathomable. Like I know everyone's like, oh, big sky guy, get mad at me. But like a truly infinite thing is impossible to even begin to imagine, like let alone reckon with, let alone appease, let alone understand the plans or machinations of. Yep. Well, what you said about this is how we do this. I mean, that's interesting because it's a semblance of control. Yes. Over. Over a God. Yeah. Over the infinite. Or, mm-hmm. or at least your relationship to it. Yes. Yes. It provides context. And provides, yeah. um, like you said, that, that that valuable control, which in reality is not control at all. It's just a weird little prancing about of small ant people. It's but a like, concept that you think you have of control. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, normally here we would stop to talk about uh, the common themes that keep coming up in the call and, and ask why it is that you 
might like those things. I, I think the, the common themes are pretty self-evident um, yeah. <laughs> and it, as well as why it is that you like those things. I mean, control is better than not having control. Uh, it's a pretty basic primal desire almost. I guess the, the only last question that I can think of then is why horror? Because couldn't there be any other, uh, any other number of genres that trigger those kinds of fears or emotions? You know, I, I, yeah, I mean, a war story, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a, that's a really fantastic point. Um, I guess I, I, to that, I would say that doom, that element of, of doom isn't present in others besides dystopian science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of, of true unmitigatable, unescapable doom is not really ever present anywhere, but horror. True. And if it's, uh, if it's present so much to the point where it's noticed, then it almost becomes horror. Yeah. And so that, that part I think is why I'm, I'm so attached to horror as a thing is because it does have that really kind of fascinating piece. That I think a lot of, a lot of other media just can't even touch on. Um, so I think a good word there is scale. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that, of- that's what it is. Yes. That's why you host the show. Cause you're so damn smart. <laughs> um, well, and then when I think of scale, then I think about ego versus the sublime. I don't know if you're familiar with the word sublime. No, I, I'd love to. If you, if you could fill me in though. It's a so, band and they were popular in the nineties. Well, hell yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's that. Uh, the sublime is, <clears throat> if you've ever had an experience of, Usually the most often, I think that, that most people experience is when you like, if you're walking down a narrow hallway or something like that, and then you turn a corner and all of a sudden you're in, in this huge room and you're just like, whoa, like you're just dwarfed by, uh, the immensity of this big thing that you were just introduced to. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And that's, you know, speaking of, of horror, um, I fucking love those, um, whatchamacallit, liminal spaces. I think maybe Mm -hmm. for some of those same reasons. But anyway, potentially, yeah, liminal spaces sometimes do a similar thing in that when you feel that moment, it's because I guess you could say you're more focused on the space rather than yourself. It's it's the shrinking of your own ego in relation to like the the word sublime comes from the same um root as sublimate. Yeah. And you're sub, you know, underneath lower. And so it's like minimizing yourself in comparison to this massive thing. And I'm wondering if there's something about that. Yeah, I, I would, I would probably argue that that that's absolutely a thing because the totality and the size and the scope of it, I think is, is, is very fascinating. The thing that's also interesting to me is at least in my experience, when I'm having a sublime moment, like we've talked in the, in this call about, you know, lack of power or loss of power, Obviously, there's that element when you're having a sublime moment of, you know, this thing is so much more massive than I am, bigger than I am. I obviously have no control here. But there's also a moment where you almost completely forget about that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And it's, it's again, the, the void and, and the, the magnitude of what it all can mean, I think, can have almost two opposite effects where you're so 
enthralled by that you almost forget your own sense of scope and your own sense of space within it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also yeah. that sense where you, you actively recognize, I can't fathom the size of what's going on here. It's almost comforting in a way. In but that I'm way. a part of it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a piece of it. Mm-hmm. I th- and that's how I think a lot of people approach, approach spirituality. You know, I'm just, you know, a, a piece of dust in the wind, right? But then I'm also, you know, in, in the cynical sense, like nothing I do will ever matter. Fuck this. But there's also like nothing really matters because after all, I'm just a piece of dust in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the singing. Let's go. Horrors. Of course. It always, it every, <laughs> exactly. Everything, everything comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, is there anything that you've thought of during this call that might be relevant that we didn't talk about? Maybe something came to mind and then the conversation made a left turn. I, I know I probably dragged the conversation left turn <laughs> about nine different times. Um, but I, I think for me, um, I think it really does. It, it puts my child into perspective. I, I really hadn't kind of come up with it until I'd said it was that. I, because there was almost no control whatsoever, because all of it was so entirely out of my own, out of my own sense of control, my own space, my own locus of focus, so to speak. Hmm. I think it does kind of put a lot of that into some really interesting perspective that much of what I'm interested in comes from that. A lot of the sense of doom comes from getting ready to go to my parents' house from school and knowing I'm just in for something stupid and have to deal with some bullshit mm. and, and being unable to stop it, having to show up and grin and bear it nonetheless. So perhaps that has some piece to play in all of it. You know, mm. why, why I continue to be drawn to this kind of medium and why I continue to be so fascinated by it perhaps has something to, to do with that. Who knows? Could be. Think you're on to something there? Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, in early childhood development, it's pretty well known that, Stability in an early childhood's uh, child's early life is extremely important. There's a number of different little arcs of development that occur, you know, from birth. They're they're really short, you know, first six months, first twelve months, first eighteen months, and then you know, there's there's other ones leading up to a couple years, and they kind of get larger as we age. You know, there are fewer differences between hitting, for example, 40 and 50 and 50 and 60 than, than there were when from zero to 10. But stability is definitely an important one. Yeah. At, I, at an early age. I, I, you know, and that's that complete lack of it, I think, as it continues to make me fascinated with with that idea. Like, I, I can't stop thinking about it now that I've, I've been talking about it. It's kind of all I can roll my noodle over. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the day. You're just, oh, this is great. Fantastic. Awesome. I can't wait to think about this forever. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to what we said earlier about, you know, how do you change a fall into a conscious conscious action and dive you know make it lean into it yeah because it, 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 we, we have no control over except over how we perceive and how we uh, directly act i suppose if we're even supposing yeah. we have that kind of control to begin with anyway oh it's it's like the it's like the penguin from the uh, mind palace ice cave from fight club slide Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? What is it's, like, it's like the penguin. <laughs> this this is a legit reference. You can look it up. No, there's there's um Edward Norton's character has like a mnemonic device where he goes into his happy place and it's a cave and there's always this penguin there that's just like just slide. 
you know, don't fall. Oh, oh okay. I'll take it. I, I take back my, my, my overly harsh critique. It just, <laughs> the, the, the penguin just hit me different. Yeah. yeah the, the penguin is a bit random. I, I, I say random it. things on this show sometimes. I love well, it. Yeah. I didn't catch the, the fight club reference. I was picturing like the claymation. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's like a claymation video game. That's come almost like primal rage. But oh yeah. I was Clay fighters. like, yes. I remember that one. <laughs> with, with, I think there's a penguin in there that does a slide. Uh, maybe. Anyway. Oh, maybe it's all connected. Or Robert again. The big mm. pink, big penguin wants you to think that. Good. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> stupid. Just I got big I penguin over penguin. here. <laughs> <laughs> big chungus. God. <laughs> We we live in the world Big Penguin wants us to live in. <laughs> Just feed me fish. Um, All of a sudden, there's a knock at my door. Oh my god, it's Big Penguin! He's ah, listening. Big Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> your next one's gonna be on here. What are you What are you afraid of? Well, honestly, giant penguins. Now that yeah. you, I've listened to your show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Triggered something primal. <laughs> something penguinal. <laughs> <laughs> God almighty. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> it's something penguinal. Yes. Well, thank you for your time. It's been real fun talking to thank you. Thank you for letting me penguin the time with you fellas. I appreciate you. Yes. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I really did just have, have a blast. And I, I love learning more about this kind of stuff. So this was really, I think, very helpful. Um, and in terms of just, just for me to, to reconcile with my own shit, to be honest with you. So thank you for this. All right. It's rare you kind of have a have a, a guest spot that kind of changes your perception on stuff, but this mm-hmm. one do be dooby 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 scooby doo in it. So Indeed. thank you, dooby dooby doo. Indeedly. Actually, wasn't that another penguin? <laughs> oh my god, I think it was. Yeah, the creepy penguins from the commercials. Dooby dooby doo. <laughs> it's all it's all it's downhill from penguins. here. It's penguins all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> this has been a fun episode about penguins. Way more, way more aquatic birds than I thought, but I'll take it. Like, like you said, oh, slide on. Exactly. Yeah, right. Slide on. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time, and thank you to anybody out there listening. Uh, please do come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We've got a list there of people that we like to interview. Uh, if there's somebody that you'd ha- like to have added to the list, let us know. If you can help us get in touch with anybody on the list, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. You can buy us a coffee. Uh, there's merch, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, if you can't do any of that, then tell a friend. Then bah humbug to you. Yes. <laughs> just, just kidding. Tell a friend. <laughs> no, no bah humbugs. <laughs>